0: fundamentally, if we, if you're going to talk about alms almsgiving, I'm, so there's this like idea of being all in, right? <laughs> and so like this Peace Corps model we use, Father, it puts these folks all in on mm-hmm. some level. Mm-hmm. Now, what are they all in to do? So <laughs> I was telling a story with Vin that we're not in, we don't build altars. So for me, an Orthodox character who's a missionary is ultimately going to lay an altar, and then because you're going to serve mm. liturgy, like, and then from from there, who knows what happens? All kinds of stuff happens. We're not going to have a propositional conversation about who Jesus is. Maybe you will if someone's asking, but it's not the point of our work. It's not mm. what we're doing. What we're what what all in is is a full immersion imbibing totally local culture not just colonial culture so in west africa i was telling you guys that um essentially local culture is mende culture where our guys work and it's really it's it's eastern uh sierra leone near the liberian border and so to be all in is to learn mende also creole which is the english hmm. sort of the spoken english there it's it's a it's a hybrid and uh, Essentially, to learn the local language and then get to know local folks. So, you you can hang out with the mayor, that's fine. You can hang out with the NGOs and they're around. But the idea really is to take tea with folks who probably never went to school and then find really badass people there who have great ideas because they do. Because going to school is not indicative, it doesn't tell you that someone's smart, it just tells you they went to school. Mm -hmm. And a lot of local people have great ideas. So, our job is really about, um, if you, if you think about it, it's about identification, but to identify is to understand the culture. And then when you identify the right people, we fuel their projects by building capacity for their projects. So maybe they need a, a marketing campaign. Maybe they need, because they don't read or write so well, they need uh, help with the internet or often we'll connect them to buyers if it's a business style project. If it's a school, we'll connect them to curriculum writers or or bring money often. So. That's what we're doing. But all in, in this case, I was, I'll was. i just tell this story, essentially, is a, a really good person uh, whom I love. He happened to be Orthodox. Not all our guys are Orthodox. Uh, has been in uh, Sierra Leone for just about a year now. And all hell broke loose. Because to be all in is to put on the culture on some level. And so his all in was getting to know... Um, essentially teaching about the faith. So he wore his cassock with a blessing. He did a lot of work that looked orthodox, but had a kind of a western ring to it. Let me pray with you using the psalms. let me let me try to understand you by you understanding me. Kind of built a mm-hmm. chapel with an outward facing you know sign St. Mark's chapel. And basically what happened was is he got off the rail of what we try to do. But father, uh again, I'm not gonna tell you who this person is, but he woke up sweating, half naked in front of his icons, seeing visions. Mm-hmm. Um uh he was like the these stories from from you know St. Anthony's time. So he was uh identifying families who had babies that were going to die in his visions. And he was telling them and reading prayers over them. He, uh,
1: wait, did any of these babies actually die though?
0: Not yet. <laughs> and I don't think they will, but right, essentially for about three weeks, he was getting worse and worse. So I don't know what we call this. You know, people I talked to say he was having <laughs> so, a, I don't know what to call it. <laughs>
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Royal Path. I guess I'm your host today, Cyprian, and uh, today we have no Andrew. Andrew and family are feeling a little under the weather, but it gave us the opportunity to bring on a special guest. So Father Turbo and I are welcoming John Hears to the show. And we, I know that this is going to be a great conversation. We would usually have like a little uh, icebreaker, but I think that we, <laughs> I, I think we've already
0: <laughs> just melted the. I ice. think we've Jeez. already
1: had the icebreaker, and we'll we'll. I, th- I think we want to explore this story that we've now heard because it goes directly into it. But before we do, before we explore this story and and go deeper, because I think that it's just gonna that 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 vein that stream we've got it all for the. For the people who don't know you, because you've been gracious enough to to have us on, uh, for the people who don't know you and know what you do, which I know that we're gonna find out uh a- across the next two hours, obviously. But if you want to just give a quick intro so that we've got some some background for the folks who don't know you and your organization and sure. the other things that you do, and then we'll just we'll we'll move forward because I want to carry on with the story.
0: Yeah, I love you guys. Thanks. Uh so First Things Foundation is, is what a friend and I founded 2014 is when our first guy went into the field. And the first thing is relationships in any type of giving. So the idea of giving without a really foundational relationship, well, I mean, it's not terrible. It's not the worst thing that ever happened. But we saw that it was going off the rails when we did development work as younger men. And uh, we also saw it in the classroom. We were te- I was teaching at that time. And fundamentally, we were giving people uh, curriculums because we wanted them to have information so that they could be properly formed without really ever wondering what it is they wanted in the classroom. There was very little relationship in that. So we both decided to start this Peace Corps-like organization that sends people for two years at a time. And we take a bet. And the best way to say it is: we bet that if we stay long enough and live close enough to what everyone on this call would call something like serious poverty, um, you know, less than two dollars a day, places like Sierra Leone, Mozambique, Georgian Republic, Guatemala, that if you do that and stay long enough, that you'll find really good people who have great ideas about what they need and what their community needs, communities that aren't heard from. So we try to get under that core of government to government aid and just go directly to local people. And often they're entrepreneurs, but that's not a good term to use um, overseas because it implies individual sort of bootstrapping to lift yourself up or something. And in old world communities, that's not how community works. There aren't individuals doing anything. I mean, if they do, they have to give it all back. it's a, uh, it's it's natural in especially West Africa and East Africa to just you're you're not known to them as the rich guy. You're known to them as the rich guy who's also supplying everybody in the village with what they need. So long story short, we try to find these unique people and families, and often they're like cooperative groups. Sometimes they're whole villages we work with, and we help them build capacity for their projects. This idea comes out of my experience in Peace Corps. I love Peace Corps. So Peace Corps, if you don't know what that is, I think most people know, but it's it's the government trying to meet people's needs, but it's our government talking to other governments and those governments tell our government where to put the Peace Corps people. Often it's in education because everybody thinks education will rise raise everybody up. What we do is say, I don't know, when our guys go... Guys and girls, I mean men and women. so when our guys go, we don't have a project for them. It's learn local language and live hard, live in a mud hut, live with a family in Guatemala. you you live according to the, le, the, the, the impoverishment of the people that you serve Um, and that's kind of weird for an American mind. <laughs> You're like, well, what when I'm trying to raise money, it's always like, well, what do you guys do? I'm like, well, we did a school. And then we did a sewing cooperative that's turned into a a really cool business. We did a restaurant and they're like, I don't really get what you do. Like "Like I said, it depends on what the people Mm -hmm. are telling us they need, which is a very un-American way to approach stuff. So long story short, our guys do that for two years at a time. When they come back, we try to, um, well, now they often come back to our restaurant sort of get reacquainted with America. And um, we started a restaurant to support our work. It's also a nonprofit restaurant called Kepi, K-E-I-P-I, based on the Georgian tradition of toasting. Because, and I'll just close it up by saying this, because our work is about meeting. It's about face-to-face relationships. And if you've ever been to a Georgian, it's sometimes called a supra, it's the liturgical tradition played writ large. So we all know what the liturgical tradition looks like on any given Sunday. But in Georgia and a lot of the old world, especially the old world Orthodox East, every dinner is a replay of the agape feast. And mm-hmm. so what happens is, is when you play it over and over, it kind of gets in your blood. And what I realized about Georgian culture, which is similar to other old world cultures, is everything is a moment of hospitality or healing, right? Hospital. And I realized that whoa, this is why people all appear very poor, but yet manage to live something like a coherent life. And now, don't get me wrong, there's moments where the poverty is crushing. So I don't want to I, I don't want to say that's not true. But I realized that actually part of our work is to send Americans to remember this moment of hospitality in their everyday life. And when our guys come back, I have to tell you, Cyprian, it's it's gorgeous. Talking about the red pill. You know, everybody's talking about the red pill on the internet. I love it. It's a real thing. But they've imbibed it and now they can't almost put it off. This is what happened to me in Peace Corps. Um and so essentially our work is I call it missionary work, but it doesn't you won't recognize it like that because you're you're missionizing the, sent, the one cent and the one cent, too. But you're not doing it with the propositional biblical conversation. It's not like that. So that's what we do. But <laughs> as I was saying, it can get a little it's, sideways. It's,
2: I mean, it's interesting. Go to me.
1: ahead, Father. Sorry.
2: Sorry. I just want to say just it's, it's interesting, though, because this is one of those moments where I'm just kind of like being a little self-aware and reflecting on um. I'm going to say this. And then I realize I think there's going to be a good kind of like portion of our audience that just is not going to have the context for what I'm going to say. But actually that's very much the Orthodox model though. Mm. You know what I mean? Because the the Orthodox model is, is not the um, kind of explicit, you know, um, forward facing, leading with you know kind of dominance or even influence mm. it, it's it really is the model of like kind of like being with and uh, just i was just give you an example our model of evangelization our our, our model of missionary work is saint herman alaska i love it i mean that that's that's our model that's the orthodox model um and then there's some people who if they're feeling feisty enough, they can be like, "No, no, no! You're just kind of picking one example. I'll give you another example: Steromethadiaz. You know, uh, you know. We can just we can keep Love going it. on in regards of
0: Nino from Georgia.
2: Nino, yeah. Saint Nino. I mean, we can just keep going on and on. It is the Orthodox model as opposed to what developed. It wasn't always like that, but what I mean, what developed into the Western model of trying to. You know, like you were saying earlier about kind of introducing or getting to know a culture or people through, like, you need to understand me. And once you understand me or you know what I'm about, then we can begin to relate. That's not the Orthodox model. No. So I just find it really just incredible and fascinating. Um, but also it, it, it kind of speaks to a, a bigger thing in that a lot of people, they're just not aware that that is the Orthodox model. Um and unfortunately, I think some people could really miss the boat and not appreciate how um, the faith has spread beyond martyrdom, which is right. essentially what you're talking about. You know, it's it's continuing the ministry of Christ, which is you know healing the sick, casting out demons, you know, um, tending to those you know who are in need, and that's you know, <laughs> it's unfortunately, such a charged. Like one of the biggest things uh, I'm really excited about is helping people to kind of dispel this idea that being a Christian is somehow politically tinged with being a liberal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like being able to talk about these things has nothing to do with ideology or anything like that. That's right. It has, has everything to do with with being the body of Christ and and doing the work of you know Christ in the world. So i just wanted to kind of interject super
1: interesting though and i'm interested you're like the the right left because it is the royal path after all and i'm interested john to because i'm sure that you've thought about this most people would tend to associate peace corps or the style of work that you're doing right with the political left and maybe even far left Mm -hmm. but here I think you said most of the people that are involved and that are going out on the missions per se are, are Orthodox, right?
0: It's in about 50, 50 in our organization. And
1: so I find that to be really interesting because most people yeah. would look at Orthodox and be like, well, that's the, the right, maybe even far right. If you're an American Orthodox, perhaps
0: mm-hmm. Where? how does, well, how
1: does that reconcile? Like how do those two things oh, come together in your oh,
0: organization? Oh man, you're in it. This is yeah. the, <laughs> here's how, here's how, Man, is this right on the money with Royal Path? Okay, so I think of this as like um, a rocket ship going into space, and you know how it gets closer closer and closer to leaving the orbit. It's just shaking like crazy. This is how we feel all the time. We're shaking, we're shaking, we're shaking. Because on one end, you get an orthodox narrative that's we're not doing orthodox work. Father Turbo, they're not saying what you just said. Mm -hmm. They're saying, where are the Greeks? Are Mm -hmm. there Greeks involved in this? Mm -hmm. Like, are you evangelized? They have a very Protestant mindset about what that's Mm going to happen. And so they're like looking at us like, what are you doing? And that's causing us to shake. Then if you go to the liberal side, whatever that is, secular, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, what they're saying is, is, is a whole different thing, which is you guys sound like you're trying to do something religious (laughs) all the time. Like it smells religious to me. Why don't you bring them what they need? And I'm like, well, why, why do I have, where did I get the card to tell them what they need? Where did that come from? Now I find on the left, they're very willing to do that. They have a very colonial model on the left. Mm -hmm. It usually is education. I had someone really able to give Quite a bit of money once at a dinner table. I want to tell you this story. And I told her about what we did. She says, that's fascinating. I really want to help Africa. You're in Africa. You guys are there. So let's do schools. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, in, in the part of Sierra Leone we're in, nobody's really asking for schools. There's quite a few schools. She goes, but don't you think they need good schools? And I was like, Well, I don't, I, I think so. I Yeah, but where are you getting your information? I'm not asking you that, father, but she was persistent. If you do schools, I can help you. So we didn't do, we didn't work with her.
2: That's right there, John. I just want to say this because today on the calendar is St. Benedict. We're in a world calendar. Mm -hmm. So today is St. Benedict Nursia. And St. Benedict, as many may or may not know, dropped out of school intentionally. You know, it was like, what's the real learning that I need? Exactly. You know what I mean? I just, I want to bring that up because St. Benedict who, you know, Orthodox through and through. And it's one of the, he, his, you know, the the Benedictines, right. Mm-hmm. One of the last kind of vestiges of, of the ancient church and in, in, left in Rome, you know, the Roman tradition. It's like, it's it, the root in which he came out of was this kind of understanding that it's not about. "Quote unquote
0: yeah. schooling," you know, and, and and it might be, it could be, it could, it could be, but. it could be that the community is asking for that. But what both sides are trying to do, I just see them both equally colonial in their approach. Mm-hmm. Which is, some Orthodox people are like, "Give them orthodoxy." I'm like, "Okay, but what 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 form are you talking?" What what do you mean exactly? And then the other side is give them what you know what we have because what we have already is implicitly good. So what we're trying to do is strip it down, like Saint Herman. So what's really cool about that you brought up Saint Herman because we love him is that. The, St. Herman went to attend to the Russians who had gone out 100 years ahead of him to kill seals. I don't know if anybody knows this. St. Herman just didn't rock up on a bunch of Native Americans. There were Russians out there that said, we want liturgy. We married all these Aleut women, and now we have families, and we want you to come baptize our children. He was responding to a spiritual need. And then what happened was, is because he was trying to save his own soul, he wasn't there... They were attracted to his humility. Mm-hmm. And so we should We should be like that. I always tell our guys, when you get there, you say, why? Because one of the weird things is because all these colonial people have gone before us, the people, the Mende people or the Makua people or the Bambara people in Africa, they always ask, what did you come to build? <laughs> like, well, what do you want? It's a really weird question. They're like... They think I'm trying to fool them. Like, Mm. and if I say schools, then we'll get the money. And everybody knows what happens is if you go to build a school in a place that doesn't want a school, they'll let you build the school. It'll never quite get finished, though, Mm -hmm. because they don't actually want it. (laughs) They just want the money. And then you look around and go, oh, they build a whole new fences for their goats. Mm -hmm because they only wanted the goats in the first place because the goats are what's making them their money. Mm-hmm. We see this again and again. There's layers of goodness. And all we're trying to do is like targeted aid that's authentic.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the problem with that is you can't scale that very well. If you think about aid, you can't really scale that one guy wants a, these these sewing machines and other guys trying to do a, a bee honey. We did a great honey project. In fact, we just heard from him after a, a year, and he's he's got six more um, hives. It's very cool. But what I'm trying to say is, is you can't really scale it because each each community or each family is doing their own thing. And so, I'm I'm comfortable with that because because we're not out to try. This is the orthodox part. We're not trying to save the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's saved already.
3: Mm-hmm. That's what we're
0: trying to do is become better people through the act of the act of sacrifice, which is an old-fashioned idea that sacrifice, right? Creation begins with sacrifice, which is the Christic idea, right? Which is Christ first went up and suffered and then down and into the ground in order to be born again. So, sorry. I like people who want to help people but never actually do the work. Mm-hmm. I love those people because we'll do the work on their behalf. And that's a good thing too. Not everybody has to go into the field, but somebody's got to do the suffering. <laughs> Sorry. There's,
1: there's an interesting, mm-hmm. I mean, this this notion or this concept, it's just it it man, it hit me like a, it hit me like a ton of bricks because it's like it feels like the fullness of a lot of the things that I talk to people when I talk to like people in private groups and things like that people who come to me about entrepreneurship and they're like, how do I be a better entrepreneur? How do I build my business? How do I do these things? You know, this, when you're, you know, this idea of going and finding out what are the problems that people want, but I feel like the fullness of this or the problems that people have and how can you help, but I feel like the fullness is the why that you're like, when you brought up Mm -hmm. St. Herman and also the people who are working with you, it's like, you're there to save your soul. That's right. That, I feel like that is so lost. It certainly is lost in the colonial mindset, but I feel like it's even lost in, in people who I feel like have a, maybe a little bit of a better grasp and are wanting to do some good. You know, there still is this idea that, oh, I'm going to go out to these savages. That's and right, I'm going to help them. and by But it's by me helping them and making them more like me yeah. That I will have saved my soul because I will ha- it will be my works and I will have done good things. Rather than saying like, no, it's your job to go there and, and humble yourself. That's right. And it's That's in right. the humility and the humbling of yourself that mm-hmm. you will save your soul. That mm-hmm. part is like so
0: crucial. So- but it's weird though, because I'm with you, but it's weird because at least in our tradition, it's everywhere. Right. Save your soul and every thousand around you. And then you're like, nah, not really. Like a thousand. You think a thousand. I'm like, yeah, a thousand or maybe a million. You just do the little things. But guys, it's not easy to sell in a Merc. Mm
3: -hmm. It's
0: it's because we're so into this idea of scale. And, you know,
2: because scale brings you more.
0: Yeah, and power like, like
2: brings you more. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? That's right. Not not the person, not the people. It, the scale is never about serving. Scale is always about having, you know, saying that from prayer, lust of power. Right? Wow. It, it's, oh, it's
0: perfect timing. Yes. It's
2: it's always it's always about that, you know, and it's really pernicious because you don't think it is. You know, it's it's in the veneer of but
0: it, it's it's also it's not to say though, I want to be careful. It's not to say pick somebody, Auntie M, mm-hmm. who through whatever machinations in the world is has a fortune. It's not to say she has to go. That's not really what we're trying to say. But my guess is there's a service in her Parting with something like her fortune there is something in that that's also suffering for her it, it's it's a it's like a layer right our guys are way out on the it's they're like navy seals of service but everybody's serving on some in some way and and if everyone understands their role in this this service that that's beautiful it's not it's not an arrogance because i think i can come across as arrogant about it um
1: But it's got to hurt, right? It's got to hurt. I mean, I think that's one of the things that fathers always told me when it comes to almsgiving is like, Yeah, you know, you know, because people will be like, Well, how much? How much should I give? What's the appropriate amount? And it's like, Well, until it hurts. Like when it hurts, when Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable, when it's suffering, then it's the appropriate amount, right? Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. Right.
0: And, And the other thing is, is okay. And I love
2: it because uh, it's incarnational too, by the way.
0: Right, right. That, thank that's
2: there's a, it's, it, it's an incarnational thing because part of the problem with giving exclusively, well, giving out of your comfort and giving money out of your abundance is that you can oftentimes miss that incarnational aspect of it, mm-hmm. right? And it, that, and again, that doesn't mean that everyone needs to be in the field or does it doesn't mean that it needs to be in a soup kitchen, but but I do think that there is something to be said for you know just people getting out of the mindset that alms is always about giving x amount of dollars. That's
0: right. That's right.
2: You know, forgive me and for interrupting. I just want to throw that out there.
0: No, no, no. I I guys, I talk a lot, so you interrupt me all the time. <laughs> but I, I I here's the problem. I'm thinking about these things all the time, and so. It's such a joy to be able to talk about them with you guys, because the other thing is, is the actual reality of the people who go. And, and you know, missionaries from Western missionaries too know this, it's sort of like a weird little secret in missionary communities. I, I'd done this for six years of my life where I lived in communities we'd all call impoverished with no running water and no electricity. So almost seven years of no running water, no electricity in various places. And there's always a missionary community. And all the missionaries know that they're getting more than they're giving. But they can't really talk like that because now suddenly someone's donating to their getting. Mm-hmm. And it right. seems weird to them. It's, it seems like it's all about the poor people. Wait,
1: for, forgive me. Forgive me, John. Forgive me. What, what sure. do you mean by their getting? they're getting more than they're giving in terms of financially. like, can you expand no. on that, what you mean by that?
0: Not, not financially. They're now, getting
1: out of it. They're getting out of it more than they're,
0: they're, they're growing and, and they're becoming awakened to their own. I'm talking about all types of missionaries. Yeah. They, they've gone on an adventure that's, that's feeding their soul. And, and they're almost like embarrassed to say it because somehow that takes away from their almsgiving. giving.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: because I think we're so wedded to the idea of material as the point, but there's, there's a spiritual payoff and that is a good thing. Like I love guys that interview with us and I'll say, okay, so let's talk. Why do you want to go do this crazy thing? Let's talk. And you'll get basically two kinds of people. One is, is I'm lost. I need to find myself. These guys are fantastic. The other one you get is a very trained person answer that it sounds like well i've looked at the inequalities around the world and i realized i've been blessed with so much and i want to go give back to people who are poor and don't have the opportunity i'm like okay that's going to wear off in about 30 days okay because you're going to realize the people you love the poor people you want to help are jerks sometimes mm-hmm. they steal from you mm-hmm. they're not that friendly mm-hmm. and then what are you going to do because now the people you went to go help aren't very nice. So what are you going to do? How are you going to operate? And generally, people will come home because it's not feeding them. Mm-hmm. And they're not in for the mission. They're not in for the journey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But guys, it's – look, I don't know. How I'll mean, tell you what, though. People are people like what we do. The problem is, is – They don't always – they don't take the risk on the unknown because sometimes I can't tell them exactly how their money is going to be spent other than feeding our field worker and housing our field worker. I can't always say that this exact thing will happen, you know, the way a school builder can say, this school will be built just to these specifications. There will be these many teachers. People like that certainty when they give.
2: It's just – it's interesting to me because – Man, I, I'm almost scared to open this can of worms because I, I just can spend the rest of the time just talking about, like, my experiences here in Kansas City. You know what I mean?
0: Um, it's the same.
2: I, I mean, yeah. And and to be, to be really kind of frank with you, it's like going through that whole process for myself, you know what I mean? Because essentially, you know, that's what I'm doing here. You know what I mean? Like I left Southern California with my wife and my kids and, you know, came to the inner city, Kansas City and all that stuff. And it's like, if you're going to do that, you know, your motivations are going to get sussed out really. Yeah. Not necessarily quick, but, but, but they're really going to get sussed out and you're going to find out real quick why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. And you're also going to find it out, not just because of dealing with people who don't like you, aren't grateful, those things. So if you're if you're into vainglory, if you're wanting people to pat you on the back and be like, oh, thank you for saving me, or you're wanting people to pat you on the back, which this can people can feed off of this one a little bit longer. Oh, you're such a great person that you do that. Mm. Eventually that shelf life does run out.
3: That's you know what I mean?
2: Um, and so the other side of that though is you, you find yourself in this place of constantly asking, okay, well, what am I doing?
0: Yes. Then,
2: you know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, what what am I doing? And I think for me, this is what's interesting to me about you. See, in my sense, in our sense here, it's like, okay, well, we have a parish, an Orthodox parish in the inner city. Okay, boom. We're on the east side of Kansas City that neighborhood, we're in the hood, quote, unquote. Okay, no problem. People can kind of get that, kind of. But where they get lost is, so what kind of programs you got? It's like, well, we got a farm um, and we got a school. Oh, perfect. Well, yeah, but like we would have that whether we were in the hood or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like it, it, it's, it isn't just about like, oh, let's do this for the people, although the neighborhood, although it is there for them. it's for us, right? Because, you know, we are repenting of consumerism or trying to, we're repenting of just being disconnected from, you know, life as God intended it. We're repenting from, you know, shuffling off our kids to just kind of be eaten by the system. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where the whole seraphim, sort of St. Seraphim comes in. It's like, well, yeah, well, you do save yourself, you know, you do acquire, excuse me, the, the grace of the Holy Spirit, And then a thousand rounds you say, but the problem with that is in in our context, along the way, people are just not going to be happy because you're going to have people who are going to be like, well, why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z?
0: That's right. Impact statement.
2: Where's where's the impact statement? Where's this and that? And that's why I find you so fascinating because we can get away with it because we're a church and because we're Orthodox. So it's kind of like a number one. No one knows what that means. B number two. If they do know what it means, and they're still talking to me after ten minutes, then they probably know something about Saint Herman and something about, you know, the the kind of inner life. Okay, but in your case, I don't think people are necessarily going to always have that context. So that this this principle, not a concept, but this principle of embodying Christ,
3: mm-hmm.
2: this principle of um, you know, being an ambassador. This this principle of like a true ambassadorship. Ambassadorship isn't about going and putting um your rules or even necessarily your culture. It's about representing your culture. It's about representing your nation. That that's a very different um office than let's say, you know, it's not an ambassador is not a conquistador. That's like, right.
0: Well done. I agree with that.
2: Ambassador is Ambassador is like, hey, I'm here in this land and this is, I'm representing, I'm, I'm representing whatever community, culture, state, you know, and like, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to dialogue with you. And I, and I see what you're doing as a kind of ambassadorship mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but it's just fascinating because I could see how it's a real struggle because people don't get the real impact, which is more of a, um, it's more of an authentic impact. What I mean by that is this: when you're talking about like, it's about a face-to-face encounter. What people don't understand, and this is what I've learned the hard way, um, you people don't get changed by giving them stuff.
0: That's right.
2: People people don't get changed by necessarily doing something for them. People do get changed by doing something with them with, yes. you know what I mean? People do get changed by being with them. And it's like, you know, that in many ways is the test of true love.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, can you, can you just sit and be with, Oh
0: my you know, God.
2: It, 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 it's, it's like I said, it's like, that's how I knew to marry my wife because she was the only female that I'd ever been with where I didn't have to feel like a need to entertain or like, you're boring me, like, get out of here. You know, it's just like, we could sit and just be.
0: It's in our manual, actually. So now I'm giving you the guts. The manual, it's the ship manual, the first phase. Of what we do is actually, you have to sit, take tea and have five dinners. And then And mm-hmm. Everyone's like, Wow, you're going to tell donors that? Correct. Like that's wow. an actual activity. You, you have to break bread, and then you have to have them at your place. And people are like, okay, I think I get this. But you know who weirdly gets this in the secular? Because we have as many people in the orthodox world who donate as in the secular world. Here's the secular, and you'll like this, Cyprian. It's the entrepreneur who knows, and I always use the same phrase. I go, okay, so you did something cool with your life. You started, I don't know, a restaurant. You started a software company. Do you remember when you were trying to start it there was that uncle who like would listen to you and then he gave you some money to start that's us. And they're like so that that works in Africa I'm like yeah that works but the problem is is we got to be their uncle like mm-hmm. we have to be trusted. Mm-hmm. We we have to be cared about and here's the big thing is they have to care for us. Mm-hmm. And I actually mean care like they bring our guy we always we don't let our guys cook on their own. They will cuz they don't always like the food. Some of the foods not so good, but they always they we want the family to bring them the food B- because immediately most of these places in Georgia especially, they recognize you don't know what's going on. You mm-hmm. can't speak the language, and so you're vulnerable. And in being vulnerable, you create the relationship long term that allows you to be quote that uncle. If you roll in right off the bat like you're the uncle, you're 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 just the jerk you, mm-hmm. but you still got the money
1: this is such See, an that's interesting how you're perceived principle. forgive me this is an interesting principle i just wanted to mention because it's kicking it off to me is you know the chuck chuck Palahniuk, i think is his name the author of fight club the guy who wrote <laughs> fight club he wrote another book that became a movie that starred sam rockwell and this is kind of like uh, it's called choke And it's interesting Hmm. that you bring this up because even like he was even seeing this principle, the protagonist of this, he's an anti-hero, of course. But the protagonist of this, um, his little scam that he does is he'll go into a restaurant, he'll stuff food down his throat and force himself to start choking and then look for whoever there looks like the wealthiest and get them to save him, to give him the Heimlich. No way. And way. And he's like, them saving me? And then from then on, he writes to them telling of his problems and they send him money. They trust
0: because him. they have that spirit
1: because they save because they saved his life. He's right. like, oh, mm-hmm. no, no. It's much more effective that they save my life mm-hmm. than that I save theirs. So it's just a we, very interesting it was that, that we that see just it. immediately went off to be like, well, that's deep.
0: <laughs> but in this case, we actually need their help.
1: <laughs> like right 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 we, this is the real that's the inversion of it this is the real right. actual thing that he's like right. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i mean um one of our field workers just had malaria and he was being helped by local folks who knew the local remedy and i always say take the local remedy now we'll we'll use western medicine too it's 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 not that hardcore but i'm like take the local remedy The, the my guess is they know something.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then right away when you take the local – I'll give you another example. We just uh, opened a new site in Mozambique, thanks to God. So our two new guys landed there. And um, right away – so one of the hardest things is to get people there to understand what we're doing. It's very hard because they think you're going to stay in the hotel two hours away and drive for a weekend and assess – They're just not used, so you're going to live in the village? So they always move you to the nicest place in the village. We're like, no, that's not the spot. That's not the spot. And then we finally found the spot. And they were like, no, 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 you can't live there. And I'm looking around, and it's actually kind of a nice mud hut, like two rooms and a little kitchenette. And it's, it's, it's pretty good. But they know it as not for the foreigner. And when we finally convince them right off the bat, they're like, these dudes are weird. Mm. These dudes are weird, but it breaks all the ice like that. And mm. so do I think it's working? Oh, I know the stories I can tell you guys about what's happening to both people we work with. You can go on our website. We have like 19 projects and each one's our guys report by video of, of how they're, what their plans are to work with this. We call them impresarios that's either the community or the, the local person. And so we have these impresario projects and you can just go see. And and every now and then a donor will just fall in love with one of the projects and will just send money directly to our guys. So we're, we're learning ways to fund all of this, but, but I will agree with you guys. The Royal path is somehow to avoid the inclination to control. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's not easy. I'll tell you a quick story, how I learned this, if you don't mind. It was in um, in mm-hmm. Mali in West Africa when I first got started on international development. It was in Peace Corps. And uh, I was trained in water resource management and then sent to a v- little village called Sindala, about four hours bicycle ride from the capital. And no no white people, no foreigners around. And it was a hard assignment even Peace Corps people were like, that's a hard assignment and good. And immediately I got a little crew together because they were listening to me because I was trained and I was an outsider. And then we started to dig wells and improve the well construction through, you know, engineering tricks that I had been taught. And I would always, these guys would always be like, eh, I don't understand why we're doing this because I can dig a well and like, three minutes, because the water table was really high, guys. So in that part of Mali, you could just dig a well, and it would collapse maybe three months later, but they didn't care because they they could just go dig another one. I'd be like, no, no, we're going to lay these bricks. You see these bricks are triangular, and they're modular, and it's going to be awesome, guys. We're going to lay this apron. They'd be like, okay. <laughs> and they would do it with me. And they would be like, okay. And I would go to other villages, and they would translate – and eventually the chief comes to me, who I love. He was about 90. He was this skinny, just a teeny little skinny little chief, but he was powerful. And he said, Jomagun, why? That was my name. It was Slave Noise. They had nicknamed me Slave Noise, which is hilarious, right? It's ironic, right? It's it's hilarious. It's actually really funny. That's an old, like. it's like calling someone Ezekiel today. It's like an old, <laughs> old, old, old Bambara name. And they were like, this is the best. So he said, Jomagun. Um, I want to show you something. And he took me. This is six. I had been back there before, but he walked me. He held it held my hand like they do in West Africa, walked real slowly, and he says, You see this? And I was like, Yeah, this is a crazy old wooden bridge, but huge guys, like a hundred meters, and then a span of almost 20 meters. That's a big bridge, they would and they did it all by chopping down trees that they weren't supposed to chop down. And every three or four years, they would redo it, pad it with mud. It was a big project, right? And he said, you see this? This is why you've come. And I was like, no, no, no. I didn't do bridges. I can't engineer a bridge, but I can work on those wells with you. And he was like, no, all the chiefs and I are talking, and you have to do this bridge. And I was like, I, I'm going to get somebody killed. I was a political science major, Cyprian. I I was like, no. You don't understand. I've come here to do these wells. And I also know how to do mud ovens. Because, see, that was one of the things the government decided the women needed. They are like, we don't want any damn mud ovens. He was cursing. And we don't want any damn. We want this bridge. And you're making an embarrassment out of me because you're the foreigner living in my village. And I can't Mm -hmm. even get you to do this. Mm -hmm. I said, Dugu Tiki, chief, I can't do it. And another two months passed. And I kept doing wells. This is a true story, guys. Finally, he comes and takes me, and he says, okay, sit down. And I gave him cola nuts, and we're sitting there. I'm, my language, I love language. I'm jamming. He's like, okay, great. It's nice to have you here, but you're going to have to move because you I'm literally embarrassed, and it's you're looking, making me look really bad. I said, well, what do you want me to do? He goes, I want you to get an engineer or whatever you get in the city and build our bridge. So I was going to get kicked out of the village. But I loved it there. And these people were good to me. They were my friends. So I went to a French agency. Well, first thing I did is I went to Peace Corps. They were like, I don't know. We don't have any engineers for that. Then I got on my motorcycle and I went to the, the Peace Corps Center and I found this kid, Omar, who's 21 years old, just out of MIT and just landed. He was a brand new. He couldn't speak a lick of nothing. I said, Omar, come with me. I took him on my motorcycle. This is a true story. Drove him out. I said, survey this for me. Already I'm breaking the rules. I'd have gotten in trouble. He did some half-assed surveying of the... He's just an engineer guy, but he's smart. And he's like, well... And he drew it like a black and white of what the bridge could look like. I took it, went to this French agency. They gave me $28,000 in 1992. That's a lot of dough. And then suddenly I the guy rented trucks. It's like insane. I didn't know what I was doing. I got... They got their Mason to be the engineer on it. He couldn't read or write, guys. I brought all this stuff up in two trucks. There was a huge parade of kids, like Joe Manga, Joe Manga. These <laughs> truck, they come out, they build a separate mud like warehouse. We put everything in there. Hundred guys came out for almost six months free because the, the the Chiefs made them. They came out before they would go to, to the fields. And there was a bridge, and I brought my wife back to it seven years later. And I said, we built this. When I got back, they were like, this guy, and here's what happened. I did something I could do, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: right? I just did what I could do. Mm -hmm. And then they had what they needed. And that's really the foundational story for all of our work, which is do what you can do and stop trying to get them to do what you want them to do, Mm respond you don't have to be in control and so that's what we're trying to do man but that changed my life though father that 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 was much more than a bridge project that was a growing up to be a man project what's
1: interesting is that the elder the chief he knew full well he knew full well that what he was that what he was asking of you was not unreasonable that you could absolutely do it he knew full well and you were just saying no
0: I you're was afraid. Hmm. Well, when you when you when you when you hang cement so trucks can drive over it, you you don't. That seems dangerous, like to me. You know, don't get me wrong, guys. It's not the massivest bridge ever. It's it's a kind you drive over and you realize, oh, that's a bridge. But you're not. It's not out. It's not the Empire State. It's not the Golden Gate Bridge. But the point is, is yeah, he knew. But I did. I wasn't trained. And this is like you know, Cyprian. You're an entrepreneur. The entrepreneur says, "And now I think I've become that person." Is well, what can I do? Let's let's do the thing we can do next. Did he freeze?
1: I think so. Oh, it's not it's not me, Father. Are you there? No, okay. no it's not you. Okay, he froze for the first time ever. For the first time ever, <laughs> as I'm you. recording in Saipan. <laughs> let's see let's see if he comes back. Let's see if he comes back. No oh there he is. There
2: he
0: is. I came back, guys. Sorry, no, that was Ian my roast. connection. It's
1: all good. It's for the first time it wasn't me. I was a little worried today because uh the Saipan internet it, anything can happen. We've had what are the things we've had go on during the show? We've had island-wide power outages. We've had a uh, a bamboo <laughs> tree that blew up the transformer next to my house it leaned into the wire and blew it up uh, with the with the bird on it with the bird sitting <laughs> on it and my wife had just pulled her car up and uh and she said i just saw a bird explode and now <laughs> <laughs> and now the, the bamboo tree is on fire That lightning that one on time that lightning strike we i had a lightning strike hit right in front of us when when uh, andrew was talking about thor which was yeah. weird. Is
3: like that true? Right in,
1: yeah, Andrew's talking about Thor, and right in front of me goes, "Control!" A lightning just comes down, t- it's right in front of me. It's, we it's the it's the weirdest two hours on Saipan, I think. But I think I know why. I think I know why. It's it's Ooh. interesting the the this dynamic that you're talking about, John, because I mean on a on a much on a much smaller level, but this same sort of principle has certainly played out in the time that I've been here in Saipan because when I came out here one of the reasons why I even found out about this place was because uh a a guy who's become a friend now but he had come and wanted to start like a little intentional crypto community kind of and he Mm -hmm. had these these ideas about how and his ideas about you know what they need to do here to be better meaning more efficient at what they do, mm-hmm. more productive in the way that he wanted to see them productive, all of these sorts of things. Now, mind you, the people who are here, the Chamorros and Carolinians, not the Carolinians have been here 200 years, but the Chamorros have been here for 3000 years. Wow. Right? Like this, it's like one of the, it's a very old and like the families that have been here, their blood has been here for a very, very, very long time. Right. Yeah. And, and I showed up and I saw a lot of the things that, that, you know, he had mentioned in terms of inefficiencies and stuff. And I was judging it against sort of mainland and the things that I knew, like, I'll g- I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, I first got here and it was like, okay, go shopping, go grocery shopping right now. Mind you, it's under an American flag. You know, you've got all the sort of things kind of that you think that are, are there. Right. Mm. And it's like, okay, but to, to find, you know, all the things that I needed for grocery shopping, like I probably got to go to three, four stores. And I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be, you know, if we could, if, if someone yes, just made there goes like your a, brain, your yeah, brain started, just made like a site where, uh, you know, you could like catalog all the things and just like kind of say where all the things were. And then you could either plan it out or put them all in one place. And like, and then, it's, and I started describing it to people and people were like, mm, no, you just go to three or four stores. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, 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 no. But it, it'd be, it'd be much. We this got is, this. This is very early, this. right? And it was like, no, 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 no. But and as I've been here, now I look back and I'm like, no, you totally go to three or four stores because one of the things that you end up doing is you end up traveling around the island and invariably you run into people. Like it's there's only fifty thousand people in the Commonwealth. See. Right. See. So you invariably run into people and it's like, oh, well, this is also my social life as well. I catch up on things. I find out, oh, I get invited to a dinner over here. I get this and that. I run into friends. Oh, what are you doing? And, and it's like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You go to mm-hmm. three or four. Like that's one of the blessings of well, being in a, but you community. know what,
2: this is, forgive me. This, this is just, it's the same thing that happens for, I think some people, who will come in to like, let's say, a service because their daughter or their cousin or their friend is getting baptized or something. And they have no context for the church. And they're like, they can kind of get it, because it's, you know, there's obvious, there's things that that strike an obvious chord of quote unquote beauty mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. exotic. But I could I've had these conversations with people, it's like, well. Like, why are you doing this or that? It's like, it's it's not an efficient way to do church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ah, that's right. And and since it's not an efficient way to do church, it's kind of like, oh, that's great. But like, or or even again, getting back to, you know, our context here, it's like, well, that's really great that you're doing that. Have you thought about, you know, kind of doing fill in the blank, obvious thing that you should do if you're in a poor black neighborhood?
0: Oh, I like, think about that. Mm-hmm. I'm
2: like, no, I'm not, I don't want to do that right. because – Number one, I've already done that, and I know it doesn't work. That's the first thing. But number two, that just kind of takes you out of this place of just living life as you're supposed to live.
0: Because there's a, in that case that Cyprian, you described, there's a disguised value system. Well, it's disguised to you. Yes, that's you exactly couldn't right. You see <laughs> it, that communion was a higher value mm-hmm. than efficiency, mm-hmm. but we don't realize we – value efficiency above almost all comfort Mm -hmm. probably and so we keep we think we're helping but we're just trying to we're trying to change the value system maybe that's good it 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 really i'm always telling the guys it depends right like Mm -hmm. some value systems aren't good just because they're theirs but often we don't know what they are we don't see them
2: well the thing is too it's almost like finding that place in which you can actually participate or actually help. So in other words, like, okay, we, we value efficiency because we're consumers, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there could be a place if you reorientate your, your value system, your value hierarchy and say efficiency is good. If it serves the deeper things.
0: Oh, exactly.
2: Right. Like we don't, because, because, we as Westerners want efficiency for efficiency's sake. It's efficiency is good in and of itself, but if it's right. like, well, if if I could make something efficient so that we can have more time for communion, so we can have more time to be awesome. with, so we can have more time,
0: That's you know, awesome.
2: it, then let then let's do that. Then let's do that.
0: I think an efficient thing that I love is the little coal that burns in the incense, and it just lights right up. Yep. because now I can have more incense during liturgy. Right, but if I was using that for, I don't know, smoking some heroin, it's probably not great that <laughs> that's, that's right. an efficient thing. That's
1: right. <laughs> well, th- well, the same, the same individual here. I remember having a conversation the one, the one who really valued the, you know, showing them how to do how to do it much better. I remember having a conversation because one of the things that I value here is there are no, um, like consume like mainland consumer American brands here. Like stores. Like, there's no we don't have any of the national banks. No Chase, hmm. no Bank of America, no Wells Fargo. We have none of the big box stores, Home Depot, Target, any of those things. We have none of the big grocery chains. We don't even have any of the mobile phone carriers. We have ITE wow. and Docomo Pacific. Right? All of the banks are locally chartered here. Every single store is like a local small shop. That's why you got to go to so many, right? We have like um, two McDonald's franchised, right? A Subway, a Pizza Hut, like that's as bi- that's as big as it gets. A franchised Ace Hardware, I think there's two of them, right? And that's it. And I remember having a conversation, and he was like, "Yeah, but if they just had a Target here, or a Home, or a, or a Walmart, you know, they could just put a Walmart, and it would be like." You could go, you could get everything and think about how much more productive people could be and the whole nine. And I was like, the trade-off though.
0: Why the do you think they're not there, Cyprian? What, the,
1: it's the, the the bigger it's, name. So it's the culture. That's what's so interesting. Yeah, I don't here think is, they've
0: been trained yet.
1: Well, it's not. No, no, they they actively fight it. Okay. So so everyone here who has political, this is one of the weirdest things about like being under an American flag and like there's n- zero white people with any political or, or legal mm. enforcement power here. So like every single person who has either a gun or the capability to uh, make a law or put somebody in jail is a, is a local. It's, it's Chamorro or Carolinian, period. Period. Not Filipino, not Chinese, not because it's 40% Filipino here. Right. Zero political power, any of that. And so it's like, well, who would target displace? Well, it would displace a tomorrow company mm. that's here, and it's I like see. well, the owner of that company is the cousin of the governor, and mm. every single regulator and legislator and judge mm. is within is within two degrees of separation familially. right and so it's like, no, 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 you can't come here
0: so there's an awareness of their cultural foundations mm-hmm. and, it's, and and it's, they're, it's, and they and they it
1: in their constitution nobody but locals yeah. can own land here
0: so i'll speak for west oh, i can speak for well let's talk about georgia for a second yeah, let's. they're in a battle right now or oh, uh, they're in this struggle right now um and basically the struggle is is to what degree will georgians invest in the western dream versus mm-hmm the Russian dream. Now, what I want everybody to know who's listening is neither one of those are Georgian. Many of us Orthodox know about Georgia and we're like, oh, what a, it's a quaint, beautiful, old fashioned Orthodox place, which it is. But the two visions constantly presented to them are Russian Imperial and slash Soviet Imperial or whatever you want to call it. And then the Western dream of a free market. But the Georgians have not I, I call it turned over yet they they're they're right in the middle of trying to decide who they are. That's where the church steps in. It's really fascinating. Right now in West Africa, the culture is breaking down, and one of the reasons it's breaking down is because the powers that be, the the chiefs, they're always offered, and this happened in Nigeria. They're always offered big money from big companies to come in and do. Things that need to be done. So there's this constant debate about how Mende they stay, and I think they won't stay very menday for very for very much longer. There's there's a lot of Chinese movement in, in West Africa right now to sell the big Chinese companies, especially the big um, the big uh, manufacturing companies. It's it's wild. It's a new kind of colonialism. It sounds like Saip- it's Saipan, right? Yep. They, yep. They're they're holding out or something
1: trying trying but it's i think it's easier to do when you're on a smaller scale right yeah you you can hold out i think on a smaller scale because it's divide and conquer at the end of the day right and
0: i i root for the old world man to win but you know it's like the spiritual life on some level aren't we all fathers sort of we're tempted into variations on 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 goodness all the time we're trying to hold on to our tradition
2: for sure, I mean, it, you guys have t- just been kind of mulling over my mind right now. This thing of globalization, because we say that, and I think we have a, um, we just have our kind of own projection of, of what that is, and that it's always the the Western model of something taking over the little guy. But it's not because when you brought up China and China moving into Africa and that reality, that's not the West.
0: No, that's no. not the
2: West. But it is a type of globalization that is subsuming, you know, the kind of if you will, like uh, the culture or the personhood yeah. um, of of, of, a, of a nation. And I find it, I find it really fascinating because, in some regard, um, you know, I've always seen. You know, I, I learned this personally. You know, one of the one of the ways I can tell, besides the sting of the sacrifice of giving alms, is is, is am I getting a sense of the person I'm I'm with?
3: Hmm.
2: You know what I mean? And if that's lost due to the 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 weight of my gift, something's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that's that's a really Interesting thing to think about, and I, I don't mean it in the same way we were talking about earlier, but kind of scaled up in regards of helping a village or helping a people. Mm-hmm. It's like, are they getting lost, subsumed in the shadow of, of my gift and my sacrifice? Right, you know I mean? or is there push, or is their person is their personhood, the personhood of them as a people, is it, is it is it coming out? Because I think that's one of the things when you when you see how Christ interacts with people, um, their personhood is never lost. If anything right. brought forward, even when it's even when it's painful. For instance, like the, the rich young ruler, like his personhood and who he was was brought forward in a very uncomfortable way for him, right? But he did that for Mary Magdalene. He did it for the ten lepers. You know, only one came back. You know what I mean? It's like he, whenever there is this encounter. I mean, that's what it means to be with Christ is this personal encounter. And
0: Wow, that's so intense. You're right. Something's being drawn out. It's not mm-hmm. being covered over. That's mm-hmm. interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. It's and not I think being
0: replaced.
2: Well, I think, I think honestly, John, it's one of the things that I really, at the core, find fascinating about what you're doing is that it is, and I don't know, it's not necessarily explicit, but to me, what is definitely implicit uh, is this awareness of that is ultimately what's going to happen. Is there a drawing out
0: that's going to That's so beautiful. And you know what? It's a thing. I don't know how to explain this. I don't want to toot our own horn, but it's a thing. And it's it's a synergy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we haven't done that many. We're, we're really six years in the making. And for the first year, we didn't have any projects because we did it our way we waited and waited and then we got some but when you look at the the communion that takes place between our guys for instance juno and in guatemala and his projects he really feels connected to what those guys have who they are and who they're becoming he's so excited for what the impresarios are becoming not because they're becoming like him it's because he sees in them like this hope and desire and even though the projects aren't always you know huge He sees that it's made a difference. Here's a question. Here's a narrative about black folks. I want to ask this question because you're in the, you know, father, you're, 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 you're in the ministry and black folks are a type of cultural entity.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I have friends who argue that what's happened with black folks in America is that they have refused. They are the Saipan who who they imported a whole series of African values and have managed, or you know, that sounds crazy. It sounds like they're doing it on purpose, but they've managed to not imbibe all of that which they see as Western. And that's why they remain, quote, poor. Mm-hmm. I have heard that narrative from black folks, folks that I super respect. I don't know if it's true, but I don't know if it's true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is great. You know, I, I don't I don't know if it's true. And I'll tell you why. Number one, I don't know if it's true because of my ignorance. I've never I haven't stepped foot on the, the great continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. Um the Africans I have known have been predominantly Eritrean and Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a very small segment of a very vast. Multicultural continent, right? Yeah, that's the problem, and that's, and that's exactly.
1: already very different culturally than the West Africans who came via, via right.
2: slavery. Totally yeah, different, and sure. and, totally and different. obviously, surprise, surprise, it's because there's a shared, you know, um, religious ecclesiastical tradition, you know, yes, to some degree, right? So, so it's like uh, that's that's really enlarged my experience on, outside of. You know, I've talked about this before, but um, outside of the Eritreans and Ethiopians I've known, um, because, you know, being in the Orthodox, you know, church here in America, um, I've had kind of negative experiences in the sense that Africans have generally not wanted to have anything to do with me.
0: I know, this and is as, another very interesting
2: conversation. You know, conversation. As, as an African-American, then on top of that, you know, I'm heavily tattooed. So it's kind of like already, like, that's a no go. So, so that being said, when I hear, I've heard this narrative before too. And like, because of this context, I just threw out both Africans kind of like not liking me and then knowing lots of Ethiopians and Eritreans or them being the ones that culture being the one I've had the most intimate experience with. I don't see it. You know, I really don't see what these values are. What I see is um, I see poor, <laughs> uh, I see poor Highlander culture from the South.
0: That's wow. That's insightful. Right?
2: That's, I mean, you know, and, and again, like yep. that's,
0: that's right. Trump's you soul,
2: see- you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, uh,
1: what is a black rednecks, right? Black yeah.
2: rednecks and, and, and white liberals, you know, uh, or black. Li- uh, yeah. Black rednecks, white liberals. Like that's, that's what I've seen. That's what I encountered. And, um, yeah, that that because again is, you know, this thought of like oh these are African um, values. I are they? You know what I mean? Like are, are they? It. Because you know I, I think I, here, here's one thing that I that I also know though is that um, in the, in the real absence of of knowing history, um, you know, nature pours a vacuum. So that absence of history has caused a lot of quote unquote black folks to want to, to feel the need to um, fill that gap with the their kind the of legs. understanding. Yeah. But that's where you get a lot of these things where it's, I mean, you get all these movements where it's like, we're, you know, we're Egyptian or we're Jewish or we're, we're anything Correct. but what yeah. we are. Right. And, yeah. and, and, I think that's, for me, that's one of the most liberating, that's one of the biggest liberating things that have ever happened to me coming into Orthodox Church was just accepting everything. Not not only accepting the not knowing, but even accepting those aspects that, like, I for a long time deemed as shameful or whatever, and actually mm-hmm. actually be like, oh, this is actually um, profound. You know, drawing strength from those things that, that were shameful. Now, that being said, that being said, I will say this. In regards of kind of getting back to your question, like, not wanting to participate or like saying no, like uh, this, you're kind of making this analogy of like, are, are, you know, African-Americans analogous and again, African, because we're not talking about Nigerians or whatever. Um, Right. Right. So I just don't want to say like kind of general black people, but like African-American folks, like, are they, you know, just, is that their kind of way of saying no? It's like
0: Like no to the machine or something. Yeah. Like,
2: no, because, because yeah, African-Americans, like, the, the reason why African-American culture is so busted the way it is is because it's, it's, it's totally embraced the machine. That's how I see it. it it's totally embraced the machine in regards of the, the very material, the materialism, like the, the, the materialism in regards of finding value in what you can have who you can do and like that now, again, not to make a blanket statement, that's not all of African American culture because that's yeah. part of the problem is it's presented as a very narrow myopic ones. And, and if, what's sad is a lot of black folk fall for that. They think that like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, like, Oh, this is just how it is. And it's like, man, you're, you're, you are programmed by the record industry And, you know, Mm -hmm. at the time MTV, now the Internet, just as much as anybody else is, when you have forgotten that you're you come from a culture, even if it's a young culture and a young history, which is way more rich, way more dignified than than what you're experiencing now. You know what I mean? Um,
1: This this was this was a big I have a I, I think I have a unique view on when this narrative began. Right. When this when this. And and where the shift happened, because, I mean, I was at Howard University in the mid 90s, okay. and I feel like this was you because you had the old, the old sort of mindset of what Howard was. And then I think probably what you would encounter more if you were there now, which is, I would say, I would say. More, I would say and and maybe this is part of the beginning of the things that turn into BLM and woke stuff and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it really was a divergence between where where I saw the the biggest divergence was the students who came from the South and the students who came from the North. So like DC and above had this new narrative, right? And this new narrative of of like pejoratively that would be called like we was Kangs, right? Mm -hmm. Like this... Mm-hmm. This new thing, and it was new mm-hmm. and the the students that came from the South embodied like who had been going to the h b c u s mm-hmm. the whole time, That's and right, like man. church on Sunday, like on mm-hmm. sunday the kids the the kids from New York would be waking up, hung over, you know what yeah. I mean, doing yeah, whatever, yeah. and again, programmed by m t v and the whole nine, and the kids from the South would all be dressed up and going to church. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, the, and what they embraced, and there was a rebellion. Yeah. What I saw was like the kids from the North, there was a rebellion, right? It wasn't, oh, I'm here to embody what they would call like the Howard man or the Howard woman. There was this idea of the Howard man or the Howard woman. And it was that ideal was almost like you're even more a, a better exemplar of the virtue of the West and not the vice.
3: I see. So it was like,
1: this is from where the the fraternities were initially born. I mean, Omega Psi Phi, like the biggest, Mm -hmm. most powerful black fraternity, the Alpha chapter is there at Howard, right? And it was like this idea that like, no, 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 we're we're going to embody the highest virtues of American culture. Mm. Like that's what you're here to do and here to embrace. But this rebellion came in that like, no, 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 no. We're African. We're... Hebrew Israelites. We're from this place. We're from this place. We're from this way. Reject that. Reject that. Reject you know, that. Out, out, and out. And it's like that. To me, I feel like that's the. There was this decline because that other thing is not there in the black community anymore.
0: Yeah, It's just really. Yeah, different. I like what what Father said. It's the black narrative is, I think, exemplified by extremes. Mm-hmm. And it goes up and down and up and down. And uh, so I, as you guys know, I am I married a black woman, grew up on 164th Street in the Bronx, outside of Yankee Stadium, Andrews Avenue, right there. And um, I thought I was cool, that dude. And then we fell in love or whatever. Not really. She sent me away. Long story short, <laughs> that, that's a fact. I got to Georgia because she was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not dating a white dude. That's not <laughs> happening. But anyway, long story short, while I was in Georgia, she... She had started going to Orthodox Church. She got baptized. We came back, and as I mentioned earlier, we went on uh, our honeymoon a year after our marriage to that village I told you guys about, to Sindala in West Africa. So she, when I met her, she was starting to you know, wear her, her kinte cloth. And long story short, when we got to West Africa, there was no romance in that. It was what you were saying father that there was no we was kangs. okay mm-hmm. it wasn't that was not the what the people that i knew and even as we drove we went all the way down to ghana we went along the coast everyone had the same take which was basically and i i was translating so i know this they would be like yeah because you, you'd say "Like, well so what do you what am i to you it was fascinating right and they would go well Nah, maybe Fula, because the Fula are lighter skin. Um, but you you just got sold. Just straight.
2: You got, <laughs> got sold.
0: <laughs> and she'd be like, Well, well, what do you mean? She goes, You were probably from one of the inland communities that got sold. You got you got taken and then sold. She, he said, well, I knew people from our know from the bomber that got sold maybe you're a bomber there was no romance Mm -hmm. in it it was and she would say so then what am i she goes i they would just be like i don't know but you're not one of us Mm -hmm. and she was in this netherland and but of course for her it was no problem because she had already become orthodox and so Mm
3: -hmm.
0: there was already a there 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 was there was and, and that is important what you said father History does matter, and it's not to be forgotten that that was stripped away from people. That's a, that's a terrible thing, um, in terms of you know but, just but, worldly but what context. I, what,
1: but what I will say, and I mean, I think that this is this is going back to to this difference that I saw is like we do have a history though as black right. people here. Like I th- right. I think that that's that's really the right. is that's that it's point. like even if we just start the history at slavery, right. that's enough. As right. a matter of fact, it's more than enough. That's right. It's That's more right. than enough. Like if we would simply embrace it that and it That's in some right. ways it's like not jumping over saints. That's right. right. It's like it's like not not hopscotching because over saints how, to get to the ancient saints.
2: Because how do you let's it's two things, right? It's not playing leapfrog, right? Um, it's being well, it's multiple things. Not playing leapfrog, it's being honest, right? Because honesty, is the on-ramp to getting to the truth. You know what I mean? And you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Truth is a person. And what I one of the things that doesn't really matter and almost makes the point more if you want to get into, you know, the bad moral, the the moral failings of like let's say Martin Luther King and the moral failings of a lot of the civil rights movement, it's almost better. It's almost better for for, for the case I'm trying to make right now, which is Something powerful still happened during that period of time in regards of the movement of African-American folk and dignity and and trying to really not want vengeance, not white, but on the one hand, call, quote unquote, white America to repentance, quote unquote, to try to um, live an authentic American life, in the sense of wanting dignity and happiness, all that stuff—it's it's stuff that everyone knows. But I'll just say this: but the problem is, is that if you begin to shift—and this is the problem with any type of historical uh, revisionism—is that when you shift a narrative from something that was unpleasant but true into something that's palatable but false, you will always end up with the monster. Always. Because it's it's not intended. It may be okay for a while. It's like this. It's the person who gets their hair permed forever, and then it starts to fall out. Hmm. I mean, Hmm. it's not meant. Your hair is not meant to be permed forever all the time. You're going. It's going to. Sure, every once in a while, whatever. You're going to suffer consequences, and so that loss of authenticity which is that's the kind of tragedy of it that's the pathway to finding who you're supposed to be because it's very much so you know it's yes. well one of the things i love about what you do too john is like watar and all that stuff and the, just yeah. the, the, the the core thing of old world versus new world and on the one hand the Afrofuturist narrative I love in the sense of what it could have been, but I've abandoned it because that movement of what that future should have been has been corrupted. Because that old world perspective on things—that's what could have really and still can. I don't mean I don't want to be fatalistic, but that's what's missing from the African American, and anyway, that's that's going to be missing from any. Um, experience of a people of an ethnos, because the old world is this: finding who you're meant to be in God. The okay. New, the new world is make yourself however you want to be, right? But you don't know. You know what I mean? You, you. It, it's fundamentally autonomous. It's fundamentally hyper individualistic. Without this kind of synergy, you know what I'm saying?
0: Let me push back, please. For, for, uh, okay. But I, I don't think it's a full pushback. I think I agree with you. I think, let me ask you this, Father and Cyprian. You're describing something like a spiritual athleticism that's like akin to like the NBA as compared to my playing on the street or something. You're talking about the opportunity for Black folks in the new world to have assumed something like a role that could call out Right. All the things going on around them, which is what King did and and to his credit. And I think that is the high spiritual bar that all of us are called to. Every single one of us is called to leave sort of blood behind. But I will say one thing about the old world, for better or worse. And everyone will, I think, agree with me who's, who's lived in it at any length of time. You are known by your name. So when I walk into a village, they... Even as a white man, they ask me, which is, what is your last name? And soon as I say, then they say, Kamara, camera is the last name. Kamara, how's your father? Because I know your father. How's your mother? How's your sister? How's your brother? And there's a litany that goes back and forth. You see this all across Africa. You see it in Georgia too. Everyone is oh, known by that. They do it name.
1: here, John. Forgive me. They do it here. There's they only do like it there. 12 last names here.
0: <laughs> now, where we don't do that is in America. The first name is is it has eclipsed the last name. That's that special identity has eclipsed the family familial identity. So what do I think? I think you're right, Father. I think there is a a type of incredible spiritual invitation to people who had lost their last name, but in losing your last name, that is difficult. Okay. That is a, that is a, that is a crisis of identity because my wife's name is Cooper, but that is not, that was the slave master's name. Mm -hmm. And so we can, we can say that that's not much, but as an old world guy who watches that, that's a lot. Now, I don't know my last name. I can't go back two generations. It doesn't mean anything. I don't even know Dutch German or something. I'm with you. It's 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 mediated through the new world, but man, I think.
2: But you know, see, I think was- I think that's the thing, though, is like Saint Eustace lost his wife, his two, you know, his sons. I mean, and the reason why he's such an, you know, just such a gnarly saint is because he went through that. Yeah you know what I yeah. mean. That's like, right. I so, agree with that. So yeah. so so I think that's the thing is that, and here's the other part that's problematic is it isn't just hypothetical, right? Because up until the civil rights movement, that's what black folk did. I mean, you know, Booker T. Washington, George Washington, Carver, you know what I mean? I mean, heck, Sojourner Truth, you know what I mean? Heck, I mean, we can just keep going on and on in regards of that embracing. Of that suffering, and 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 not turning it into vengeance, but rather that that Christ like em, embracing, right. that that's why it's such a damning testimony, and I think that's to some degree why these influences, um, you know, there are principalities at play mm-hmm. that have that have sought to influence uh, African Americans for various reasons, mm-hmm. have implanted a false narrative. To get to 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 fundamentally play on the passions, you know it says in Proverbs that um well, how does it say it says uh, uh sin oh gosh I had it right here it's a uh, righteousness is exalted nation but sin is a reproach to any people and righteousness is very seldomly revealed. In pleasantries, mm-hmm. very seldom. Yeah. and I would even say it never is in a true Christian context. The servant is above the master, so when we see a saint who's like, oh, and he lived long into old age, it's it's not super rare, but it's rare enough. But it it is never separate from a life of um, suffering. So, in the, so what I'm saying is. Even if, even if a saint lives to an old age, they still suffered. That's yeah. that's the cross, right? And I think that's the thing is every movement has sought to pull African-Americans and now European-Americans. Everyone it's, it's seeking to pull everybody, getting back to the globalization, that spirit of the age. Yeah. It's seeking to pull everyone, black, white, brown, yellow, rainbow. Well, excuse me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I just flew out. <laughs> uh, uh it, it's trying to pull them away from away from the cross but it's actually in the cross where that righteousness is gonna be found and again it was up until you know um it was up until the, the kind of seduction of well we don't need to we don't need to do that and I, think- I would say i would say forgive me you know again this is i've said this before a bunch of times but that's the thing about the serbs is you know, for the I mean, gosh, five hundred years of the Turks. You know what I mean, and and this the real.
0: You know, I was just gonna bring this up. There's so, every opportunity to lose identity there, but something was going on, right? Something, mm-hmm. some spiritual value was being mm-hmm. just embraced.
2: And and I would say this. I was just talking about this um, with uh, Philaret. That uh, we just came back from um, our diocese diocesan meeting and we were talking um with a young serbian guy about george washington carver because we have you know the farm here george washington carver farm and we're talking about how you know i was like oh you know he's like the maximist he's like the african american maximist like of the peanut you know what i mean the the logo of the peanut cuz like what's the essence of the peanut right oh, and even and really even good. in the way like you hear his that's hot you hear how he talks about you know hearing from the plants, you know, listening to the, to the flowers and then asking, speaking to God and all this stuff. And it's like, it's one of those things where he could not have been Orthodox because there was literally no context for him to encounter Orthodoxy. But you see, you know, saints known and unknown, you see a holiness that's developing within that man because there's this, there's this a devotion to Christ as best as he understood Christ, his devotion to God, as best he understood God, but these characteristics that line up with the experience of, of our saints. Now, I'm not going too far, but what I'm trying to say is, why is that? Because there was an there was a Christ-like understanding of embracing that cross, not being ashamed of it, not running from it,
3: That's right.
2: and, and 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 not not being a coward either. Because cow, there's a there's a cowardliness that comes, it goes both ways. You can be a coward by running from your cross. It can also be a coward by not manfully carrying the cross too. Mm -hmm. if you get what I'm saying, you know what Mm I mean? And so I think you have these, these incredible people who they may not have died in the church, but if that cultural seed that they had planted had been nurtured and sustained, I mean, I have no doubt because I feel like I'm an inheritor of that culture. I feel like Cyprian's an inheritor of that culture. And that's part, that seedbed is part of what has allowed orthodoxy to take such deep root in us in a different way, mm. because that narrative of like suffering is salvific and it does produce. If, if you, if you approach the suffering and the shame of your life, honestly, Without trying to twist the narrative, this is out it. Of ego, this is gorgeous. Yeah, this boom. You will. It's like you'll find. This Christ.
0: is it. This is it.
1: You'll find Christ. You know.
0: Oh, I wanna, so I, I want to see... circle
1: back. Hold. hold on. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Because I no, feel like ahead. this is the the perfect time to circle back. Because it really struck me when you were talking about scale, and like this idea of oh that doesn't scale. Because I feel like what we're talking about here is how like the truth actually does scale. Is that no? It actually scales better. Then whatever your efficient system that you wanted to do, it's like, no, 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 like living in in the example and then people seeing it like it's organic. Oh, yeah. It's Mm. it scales to everybody who can see you behaving that way. Right. And I think that it's like. In in some ways, that's the missed opportunity, perhaps, of black America since the civil rights movement. Is that it's like the examples, because if we look at, well, who are the examples or the heroes that we would look to, in all of those cases, like it can't scale. Everybody in the civil rights movement, you looked as an example and it's like, oh yeah, that scales because I can I can be out there marching, I could suffer, I could have the dogs bite me, right? I could be sprayed with a fire hose, but like I can't play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't become a millionaire rapper. Right. I can uh, name the things. Right. Uh, I see what you're I saying. Wow. That. That's fascinating. Right. That's and what, so in that's some ways, lacking.
0: in some ways you both are saying, I hear this, that there is a missed opportunity in the suffering. And instead there's been a type of sellout to uh, a cheaper version of the cross, or it's not even the cross. It's anti, really just a machine. It's, anti, yeah, the it's anti-Christ. anti-Christ. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Anti-cross. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so maybe, by the way, that's also the narrative of the the meaner sort, Scots Irish who ran to the hills. It's really the narrative of almost, it's the West at this point, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe the black fo- black folks who are already quote on the bottom. Maybe they're suffering the worst from the this this apostasy of the West. Well, but and a belief ways. and
1: a belief that they're and a constant being told. That there is no salvation at the bottom.
3: Mm-hmm. That, well,
0: because the bottom is the worst place to be, exactly. That it's,
1: that it's, and that there's nothing redeemable from being at the but bottom. That ties it's,
0: into this notion of service, too, which yeah, is which, to, to, to be at the bottom is to be essentially... Well, the
1: Son of Man can to serve
2: and yeah. not be served. But but I'll even go even a step further. It's kind of like, you know, with this wow. thing of... This is very fascinating because...
0: It's intense. <laughs>
2: Some people have tried to run with this, and but they, the problem is, is they they've ran with it with too much of a, a kind of racial lens. But I I I really think though that you can really kind of focus this in, and, and it can be very much a kind of revelatory tool for everyone, right? So in the same way of like an icon, like an icon, not that there's only one Seraphim Masarov, but his icon reveals so much about you and about everyone, you see what I'm saying? Mm. So when you look at African-American folk, you can really examine, I mean, a lot of the failures of the West, and and those failures come from you know all the things that are antithetical to orthodox spirituality not to western christianity quite the opposite right part of the problem is that you know the the christianity that that black folk african americans like globed onto was not the christianity that was given to them by the slave masters, it was very different, right? It it was very different. So what was it that they glabbed onto and what they glabbed onto was very much more an orthodox ethos, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But the problem is when people hear, see, people get stuck on this because they have too much of an external understanding of orthodoxy. That's the first thing, right? Where there's these dichotomies of or they see orthodoxy exclusively as the externals, Mm -hmm. not just of the ethnic aspect of it, but even the externals of how, to give you an example, what is salvific? Is it the canon that prescribes the penance or is it the fruit of the penance that was brought by the canon? You see what I'm saying? So like
0: applying
2: the canon as just like a dry thing, it's like you'll kill people. You know what I mean? So in this way, if we kind of dial in and you can look and see like, okay, well, number one, what happens? A narrative that a lot of black folk hear in this—in again, you know, oh, not just like white Jesus, but like oh, this kind of like you know Bob Marley, you know, um, <clears throat> pie in the sky, forget that, all that stuff, right? Well, that narrative is a false narrative, right? It is a false narrative that the West gives. Now, the now the truth of the orthodox experience is this. Um, Yes, your rewards are in in heaven, but you do begin to experience them here and now. That's right. But the problem that people get mixed up on is, well, what are you supposed to experience? Right? And so I would just point to, let's say, monasticism, right? So if you look at monasticism and you see, like, what is the core of monasticism? It's like, um, uh, I think it was, uh, there was an Abba who came and said to another Abba, he says, you know, what is, what is the essence of monasticism? And he basically grabs his hat, you know, his, 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 uh, his scooby and he throws it on the ground and stops, starts stomping on it. He says, unless someone is able to, to be treated like, like this hat, they don't know what monasticism is. Right. You hear that. You're like, what in the world? Like all the desert fathers, all this crazy, radical, extreme humility, which is an imitation of our master. Right, This radical extreme humility and this being able to die to yourself and to the world, this is something that predates transatlantic slave trade, it predates civil rights, it predates America, it predates the West, right? That spirituality is, it is, period, right? And that's something that was a missed, and it is, because we can't go back to it. It was a missed opportunity. That's right that that I think that's 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 something to really kind of highlight because you can see that path being laid to where you know not that you know multiverses are a thing, but if they were, you could see a reality where eventually kind of like they're doing like someplace like in Uganda where they're discovering orthodoxy at large because they've just kind of embraced this thing that is very. Christ, a very Christ-like ethos already, and I, I, I you yeah. see that in the early history of African Americans, and I think you see that in the history of anyone who has been willing to suffer. That's right, because they've they've had a vision and a hope for something greater, not just like oh we'll get out of it one day, like the children of Israel, right? Because there's a portion of that which is there, right? But something in the shadow of Christ, where it's like. I this this kind of being broken and poured out, something is revealed and you experience something of the eter- of, of eternity. Right? But this right? sounds
1: like what First Things is doing though. Like you're saying this, <laughs> and I feel like this is what this is what um like John, it feels like when you described what the people participating in your program are forced to do, it feels like this is like inserting them into that.
0: Well, if if we can go with the same I don't know, we'll connect the metaphor, right? To bow is to be brought high. And so black folks were an icon and an image on those ships of those who were made to bow. And then they were were an offering to the United States in many ways to return to what they should have already been. And I hear what you're saying, Father. In other words they were the field worker down, 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 and offering a chance to all of us, right? To participate in the humility, right? And to be brought to something like a true Christianity. And now I think what I hear you guys saying is, is that the black community has instead taken the bait and tried to uh, actually become well, one with the machine. Has. Yeah, everybody, everybody has. everybody has. Everybody yeah. has. I
1: think that that's the, that it's like, it wasn't, it's not like like a single group grabbed it. Right. And I and you know when you see this, because like I'm half black and half Mexican, right? And grew up in California. And and my and my mother, you know, like her her whole mission and her outreach and all her students and everything, most of them were immigrants. And people are like, it's it's in those communities, but it's immigrant communities everywhere that come into the West. Probably Weirdly, less even but, less so now, but like it's this idea of oh, they'll do the jobs and do the things that the people here won't do. And yeah. it's this idea of like we're talking about the bottom. Well, yeah, there's nobody, I mean, even homeless American citizens are generally better off than yeah. the guy who comes with nothing and comes across the desert into yeah. the United States and is like n- homeless. Absolutely. But then it's like, wait a minute. But how is it that 20 years later, that guy owns a house, has his kids going to college? It's like, wait a minute. How did that happen? How did that? And it's like, and I think that it is that taking the bait. He came to suffer. There was no question of it with with him. Well, he knew he would pass through it. it.
0: He would pass through it. Yeah,
1: because it's because it can be passed through. And I think that that's the narrative that everybody's bought is like if you're suffering now, you cannot pass through it, which is actually true. Like you can't do it. And that was one of the things I think, Father, one of the first talks I ever heard you give was so- sort of on this topic. Like the first time we met, I looked, looked you up on YouTube. You're speaking to some a parish, I think, in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And they were like they were interested in how do we do outreach to the black community here around us. What can we do? Mm-hmm. And I remember it struck me and I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is for this real is guy. because you yeah. said that you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like a, like, a, <laughs> like a vacuum was like sucked <laughs> out of the it's room.
0: It's the it same. Sucked. It's the same as what we're trying to do. Yeah, and it, right, like, do mm-hmm. and it was like,
1: you can't do anything. And it was like, because then you were like, no, no, no. It's Christ that can do it. Mm-hmm. It's Christ that can do it, can do everything at the second. If you want to do something, acknowledge that you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's exa- this is exactly the message. And the principle is like,
0: that's the core.
1: Stop. It's not you. It can't be you. It needs to stop being you. Empty yourself.
0: But there was a long history of black folks embracing that embracing oh, that you're right father there was a the church, in in, in, in america church, because yeah. they were christians but that's now it. basically everybody got mulched up but yeah. a different yeah.
1: type of christian as well john like yeah, I, 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 the the christianity like the black church is a much more incarnational church yeah. and, it's it's, and it's, it's it's much absolutely fully incarnational. incarnational and it's because because it's, if you're a christian it's all of your life it isn't church and, on Sunday. It's all and, of your life. And
2: I would say this. I remember having a conversation with with um, a mentor of mine. Uh, and we were having this kind of discussion. He's like, this is all good and dandy. I hear what you're saying. But he's like, I don't see the asceticism and I don't mm-hmm. see the sacraments. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I meant by the external. Like that the, I too see. much a dichotomy of, of externals. Because that's like, well, the actual suffering is the asceticism. Mm-hmm. And the sacrament in this sense is the suffering and the obedience to the commandments of Christ right because the commandment of Christ to turn the other cheek not in a I see not in a weird self-deprecating way right but i mean if we if we want to spend another 4 hours tearing that apart we can do that but that's something that people struggle with now right that's something that we talk a lot about here and have over the time of this project is you know, there's a lot of folk who come from, you know, certain political stripes. you know, a lot of, you know, most most of the people who listen here. I think that's still a struggle. I'm going to say, it you know, real path moment of like this idea of. Turning the other cheek and what does that really look like?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what I mean? What does that really, really look like? And I think this is one of those things where. When I say this thing about the sacrament that happens when you follow the commandments of Christ, I don't say that cheaply. I don't say that cheaply. I I, I say that in the sense of the commandments of Christ in regards of, you know, this is St. Siloam the Athenite. He who who does not, you know, he who cannot basically forgive his enemy or not love his enemy does not have Christ. Mm. Like, you really break that down. Mm. Most people aren't doing that.
0: That's right. Right.
2: I mean, like, I, I'm just, I I'm, i want to be as literal and forthright as I can. Most people aren't doing that. And I've said this before, and I stand by it. Not so much in the absolute statement, but as close as I can to saying it without being out of line. Unless you've had that experience, you're not really a Christian. You know what I mean? You're just, you're just not. You're just not. I, like, <laughs> I i am so grateful for the people I'm grateful for my enemies. I'm not saying that to be cheeky because those moments, and it wasn't just the enemies I, I gained in 20. I've, My whole life coming into the church, I've had people who either thought I was a Pharisee or they thought I was too whatever because of being mm-hmm. tattooed. Like I've always been like your rocket ship, John. I've always mm-hmm. kind of like been in the state, which is great. I'm thankful for it. But that's one of those things where I read the life of St. Silwan, I read these statements, and I and it's just like, oh, it's like the commandments of the Lord that I've been experiencing, they become technicolor now. It's like, yes, this mm-hmm. it's that sacrament of like loving your enemy of suffering.
0: Well, you know what the, the thing that keeps appearing to me during our conversation, this one, but all these conversations I have about First things is humility and then the term meek. So one of the most difficult things for me in our work is when I go visit, I got to go next month actually to Africa and to Georgia. Guys, meek people make proud Westerners super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I never really understood what that meant. I'm talking about grown men who will come and hold my stuff while I just sit there to talk to a a chief or something and then follow me like they are five years old and, and they're grown. And, and I, it's, it makes me very uncomfortable and I want to take my stuff back and I don't want them to do that. And what I'm trying to say, I think uh, to tie it all in father is I think it's a type of eternal history. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's 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 the history of humankind is to it, we have to embrace the meekness. We don't want to do that at all, at all. Learn of
2: me because I'm lowly and meek of heart. It's Christ. Do <laughs> you know what I mean this is this is the same like man? Cute, man. nuts. Like, it's
0: a nuts idea who, though.
2: Who would like who would actually want to be around Christ? We we think about this now.
0: Oh, it'd be torture.
2: It'd be torture, right? Think about this because uh, the immigrant guy. Right, whether he's you know Laotian, you know Vietnamese, uh, Mexican, El Salvadorian, Jamaican, uh, whatever, it's like, you know, the guy pulling in that's grabbing your bags. You know what I mean?
0: Incredible. Like, I'm thinking of Bakary. He lost his eye as a little kid. He never went to school. He was by my side. I'm going to cry right now. thinking about it. By my side for everything. He became one of the foremen on the job. Mm. He was so proud of that bridge. I've got goosebumps thinking about him. And you know what? He never instructed me in any way. He just was there at every moment and taking care of me in every moment. He's the most exalted person, one of the most exalted people in my life. But if you met him... He came to New York. He stayed at our house, mm, and he mm. kept looking around and saying, "Where does everyone go?" Because, <laughs> <See, 'cause...
2: laughs> and, and I think that's the thing is, if nothing else, like the work that you are doing, that's that that's that word of actually meeting Christ.
0: Oh, I or, believe it. I when it was... did
2: we feed you? When did we visit you? When did we see you as suffering? And it's like the your buddy who you are describing. It's like, oh, Christ. You know what I mean, and it's and Bakri. people
0: they're super uncomfortable with that, and I'm like, ah. Oh, uh, we were all uncomfortable, even 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 in 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 Mali, he was that person. Even to the Malians, they would always be like, "Well, Barkley's simple, man. What a beautiful person." But when he came to New York, I would go to work, my wife would go to work, my kids would go to school, and I'd be like, we will be home," and he would just be like, "This is the saddest existence." He didn't say that. <laughs> But he would just be like where did everybody go he instructed so I you took on him- so
1: much you said oh, he didn't Lord. instruct you on anything it sounds like he instructed you on so much like a <laughs> like
0: a champ like a champ yeah that guy man okay so yeah.
1: we we're at two hours yes we uh, but, are uh, we we usually have a, a andrew has a little outro uh question but since we have a guest i have a question for you that has been bugging me and bothering me so so your project is why are we talking about rabbits?
0: Oh, great. I want to talk about
1: that. Okay. And so this has been bothering me because I'm like, am I just is is this some like meta I really thing want to explain I, where if I don't get this meeting, I'm a huge dummy. So can you go ahead and just instruct me?
0: <laughs> you just made my dip father <laughs> and we'll now. I know why that. you got we'll this closer. guy around. Now I know why you got him around. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that's awesome. So Here it is. The podcast was its own entity when it started, but now it's pretty much fused with first things. The podcast is asking the question, ironically, why are we talking about rabbits? Meaning on the internet, you've got all this garbage jumping around, reproducing, and then down rabbit holes. And like, why are we doing this? Let's actually talk about something of merit, but let's do it lightly so we don't drive everybody nuts so why let's that let's let's do this again where we take a look at the cultural ideas but a little deeper bring in the old world new world so that's all it is that's all it is i
1: love it i love that's it. it i love it that's well it. thank you for uh thank you for being here this was this was great i mean it's not great that andrew is not feeling well but the providence uh the fact that you were available Yeah. i, I think the timing the conversation Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, well, well I
0: had a goal to come on here uh, and <laughs> uh, you guys made it true.
1: Well, let's so. do it again. Let's do it again. This is fantastic.
0: Good. Um, thank you guys.
1: Okay. So uh, I guess just to end this, I guess since I'm the host, I got to do the things that Andrew does. Um, Royal path playlist on Spotify, Royal path podcast, podcast, playlist, merch store, royalpath.store. If you want to get in touch with any of us, Andrew at roapath.network. And uh, oh, links to all of the things that we talked about, John's organization, all of that in the description check for everybody. Yes. Check please, out. Please Support. go check it out. I have a feeling with our audience particularly some of the young men that you might be getting some people reaching out, wanting to participate at a deeper level with you. I have a, I have a distinct feeling about that.
0: Let's let it be true. It's the toughest thing is finding really good folks to go a little deeper and maybe even go into the field hard thing to do.
1: There we go. The hard things. All right. Well, I guess then that's going to be it. So uh, as Andrew always says, thank you for having a good night. (laughs) 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 That's
0: perfect. Love you guys.